Have you started to sense it yet? I wonder what makes you pause a moment and realise that Christmas is on its way. A robin appearing in the hedgerow, perhaps. Wood smoke in the air. The blurred reflection of small town Christmas lights in puddles on the road. The scent of cinnamon and clothes. Or good mood riding on the shoulders of passers-by. We all have our markers of the holidays. And when we catch a glimpse of one, inhale the aroma of another and sense the arrival of yet another, our brain stitches all the pieces together and whispers, Christmas is coming. I can feel it. And I love that feeling. And it's why I'm here with you again for a special edition of the Calm Christmas podcast with me, Beth Kempton. It's 5am on a cold, wet morning in late autumn. The house is quiet and it's just me sitting here with my steaming cup of tea, writing by candlelight, thinking of the year gone by, of the approaching winter and of you. For the past few days, I've been pondering the question I ask myself this time every year. Given everything that has been going on, what kind of Christmas do you want and need this year? It's not the only question, and I'm not the only person to consider, but it's a good place to begin. So let's dive right in with a question for you to ponder the first of many in this episode. What kind of a year have you had? Feel free to pause the audio and journal some notes if you like. If I think of everything my little family has undertaken, enjoyed and had thrown at us this year, the list is long. It includes all the huge things that have happened in the world and how they've affected us in big and small ways. All the creations that we've made and launched in our business, a new book, a new podcast, more on that in a minute, New courses, tons of free resources, a mountain of social media output and all the behind the scenes work and out in the world work that goes with that. I think of all the work that we've done on our home with all the accompanying disruption. I think of all the ways the children have grown and the ways that we've spent time supporting them. I think of all the things we've dedicated time to learning all that has gone on with family and friends, all the emotions, the highs and lows, the joy and the sadness, and the everyday everything. When I think about all that, to be honest, I feel in need of a good rest. (laughs) And also, I feel more committed than ever to seeking out beauty and joy in the small moments of every day. And so to another question. Based on the year that you've had, what you answered in the first question, What kind of a Christmas do you want and need this year? I don't know about you, but for me, amidst the many things I've been grateful for, the year has felt quite relentless and I want a proper pause to rest. And I also adore Christmas. I feel drawn to spending extra time with family this year and I want to make it special without it being overwhelming, not least because our children are of an age where everything is magical and that is a treasure indeed. When I thought about this earlier, I surprised myself with a long list of words which aren't necessarily obvious companions. Restful, magical, fun-filled, easeful, relaxed, memorable. 
If I had to sum it up, I think I'd say I'm dreaming of a nourishing winter and a delight-filled Christmas. Not so much delightful as that feels like too much expectation, but rather delight-filled, because that points to both me coming up with lovely ways to delight the people I care most about, and also to seek out my own delight in the details and moments of winter and Christmas. So given all that, I'm going to use nourishing, restful and delight-filled as my guidepost this year, my filter as I plan and dream and scheme and decide what to take on, what to prioritise and what to ditch. Does this contribute towards a nourishing, restful winter or a delight-filled holiday season? If yes, I'm in. If not, I'll think again and probably say thank you, but no thank you. So what about you? If you ask yourself that question and allow an honest answer, what kind of Christmas do you want and need this year? You can pick any word you want, as long as you don't say perfect. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time now, you'll know that I strongly discourage aiming for a perfect Christmas, not least because so much is out of our control. But choosing just about any other adjective can help us set an intention for the approaching festivities. Which leads me to an announcement about this podcast. In order to honour my own need for rest this winter and my commitment to slowing down the pace of doing, I've decided to make this a one-off special episode for 2022. I hope to return with another full series of the Calm Christmas podcast at the end of 2023. And for that reason, today's episode is longer than usual and has a lot packed into it. Along the way, I'll point you in the direction of other places you can go for some Christmas inspiration and I hope that that will carry you through the winter into the holiday season and beyond. Of course, once you've finished this episode, you can always listen to the audiobook version of my book Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year as an alternative to the podcast this year, if you like. The first third of the book is all about the time before Christmas, so now's a great time to listen to it. The middle third is all about Christmas itself and the days around it, the celebrations, dealing with sadness, loneliness and grief, and giving yourself permission to do things differently if you want to this year. And then the final third is all about that special time after Christmas and before New Year, which I call the hush, and think is a wonderful time for reflection and planning, imagining all the goodness you might like to invite into the year ahead. So you could plan to listen to a chapter or two a week, And that would take you right through into the new year. And of course, you can go back through the two series of the podcast that I have offered you last year and the year before, um, which have done the run up to Christmas. So, of course, some of the dates will be slightly off posting dates for Christmas and those kinds of things if you're listening to the older series. Um, But there's a lot there if you want to get some inspiration on a week by week basis. And I did mention uh, creating a new podcast this year. I have created a brand new 12 episode podcast to accompany my new book, The Way of the Fearless Writer. That podcast is called The Fearless Writer Podcast with Beth Kempton, and it has been running weekly since October. If you haven't caught it yet, you can find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Um, on Spotify, on Amazon Music, on my website at bethkempton.com forward slash podcast. And I'm going to bring a wintry, festive flavour to the second half of that series. 
So if you start listening now, you'll get weekly episodes through until the end of the year with weekly writing exercises to help you tune into the season and free your words onto the page. So the second half of that series is kind of like an amalgamation of the Calm Christmas podcast and an inspiring writer podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, back to today. What a year. There have been so many things in the world that have affected us all in those big and small ways. There was a surge in collective grief for those caught in a war that is still going on, a very real cost-of-living crisis which we'll feel most acutely in the coming weeks and months as winter descends, and all sorts of social and political challenges that make it seem like we've been lurching from one crisis to another. Of course, part of that is the urgency of the media's language. And to be honest, this year I dialed down my media consumption and it made a huge difference. But still, we are all connected and everything that goes on in the world affects us all in one way or another. So I at least wanted to offer you an invitation to pause, reflect and decide your own approach to the holidays and the winter season this year so that you can emerge into the new year feeling refreshed revitalised and with a pocket full of new memories to treasure. Today's focus is about connecting with the approaching season, finding ways to ease the commercial pressures of Christmas and making plans for the kinds of experiences you want to focus on in the coming weeks. I hope this is just enough to settle you into a quiet moment in amongst all the chaos and noise of the world and start looking ahead to winter and to Christmas with hope and joy and a commitment to taking good care of yourself. I'm sending this out to you from the kitchen of my home, an old stone cottage here in rural Devon in the southwest of England. We've just finished preparing the house for winter, getting the thatch roof tended to, rebuilding the chimney, adding a thicker stable door to the back room so I can write in there even on the coldest days. I've just come in to pop the kettle on for another cup of tea and I invite you to draw up a chair and join me for a chat about this special time of year. Let's begin with a few words from Nigel Slater, whose talk of Christmas food always gets me feeling festive. This is from his gorgeous book, The Christmas Chronicles, which I highly recommend you treat yourself with this year if you don't already have a copy. I love the crackle of winter. The snap of dry twigs underfoot, boots crunching on frozen grass, a fire spitting in the hearth, ice thawing on a pond, the sound of unwrapping a Christmas present from its paper. The innate crispness of the season appeals to me like newly fallen snow, frosted hedges, the first fresh page of a new diary. Yes, there is softness in the cold months too. The voluminous jumpers and woolly hats, the steam rising from soup served in a deep bowl, the light from a single candle and the much-loved scarf that would feel like a burden at any other time of year. He talks a little bit about winter walks, which we'll talk about later, and then this. It's just as good to come in. You stamp to shake the snow from your boots, The flakes of snow on your coat melt instantly. Your glasses steam up. You close the door and thank God you remember to put the hall light on a timer. You hang up your coat, tug off your boots and light the fire. 
you'll probably put the kettle on or pour yourself a drink. Not so much as a way to get warm, more to welcome yourself home. Home means more to us in cold weather. Making ourselves comfortable is a duty. Making friends and family comfortable is an art. Come in. Two short words, heavy with meaning. Step out of the big, bad, wet world and into my home. You'll be safe here, toasty and well-fed. Come in. They are two of the loveliest words to say and to hear. Nigel Slater is, as usual, so right. Come in. Such lovely words to say and to hear. Who might you like to say come in to this year? And how would you like your home to feel to them as they do indeed come in? What do you need or want to do to make it feel that way? String up some fairy lights? Put spare slippers near the door? Drape a blanket over the arm of the sofa? Plan to bake something which smells divine? Have a bowl of spare Christmas decorations you invite each guest to pick from so they can hang one on your tree? Or perhaps simply to make time and space in your schedule to allow for invitations so people feel welcome to knock on your door or invite you to knock on theirs. And who would you love to hear say, come in to you this year? Is there someone who would really appreciate a visit over Christmas, I wonder? Why not do some dreaming and scheming in your notebook or make a list of people you'd really like to spend time with over the holidays? whether in their home or somewhere like a favourite cafe, or perhaps sharing a lovely wintry walk together. It's so easy to fall into feelings of obligation. We have to visit X and Y every year. But why not start with who you'd really like to spend some time with? And perhaps there's someone in your community who might appreciate a friendly hello, or a group of people who might like to do a afternoon or mulled wine evening together. Why not have a think about what would be a real treat for you and for them? I think once we start to see Christmas as a season rather than a single day, we can spread out the meetups and gatherings that we really want to attend or create so they uplift us instead of exhausting us. And we can carve out space for special moments with those we love and have loved. One of my favourite things to do is to make time for one-to-one with each person who means the most to me, to give them real attention whilst enjoying something festive together. And if the question, who would you like to hear say, come in, leads you to think of someone who's no longer with us, what could you do to honour their memory in some special way this year? Of course, Christmas is a time where all sorts of memories bubble up. Some hard, some beautiful. I love this passage in the book Wild Winter by John D. Burns, showing how scent can be such a catalyst for memory. He says, December in the Highlands is rarely the coldest month of the winter, but it's always the darkest. In the Bothy where I'm writing these words, it's 3.30 in the afternoon and the feeble light of this winter's day is bleeding away. It's already dark beneath the steep crags and the streams run black-veined down the hills. I set two hurricane lamps down on the table and begin my nightly ritual of filling their tanks with paraffin. The scent takes me back 60 years to boyhood days spent with my father in a fishing hut on the Wirral. In that rickety wooden shelter, 
The air was filled with the muddy smell of tench, dank-smelling nets drying on low hooks in the wooden roof and steaming mugs of tea. We cooked on an ancient primus stove that leaked paraffin. The odours of my childhood have etched themselves deep in my memory and instantly take me back through the decades. The images of my early days have faded from my eyes, but the scent of a wet duffel coat or a mist-filled morning propels me back to something deeper than memory. So tell me, which scents take you back into your memories of Christmas and winter? Why not write a little about that today? Or be inspired by that scent to create a meaningful gift for someone who's connected to that memory? Here's a memory of my own from my book Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year. My older brother and I are shoveling ourselves urgently into our heavy navy duffel coats, small hands searching for the mittens dangling by elastic from the sleeves. We tumble into the back of the old brown Volvo estate with our Labrador Meg, and as soon as Mum has tucked our baby brother into the basket on her knee, we're off. At first, we're loud and fidgety, telling jokes and poking each other in our excitement. Can we get the tallest one? We beg in unison, squeezing our faces between the front seats. We'll see, they say, non-committal, but smiling. After a while, the voices fall away as the hum of the engine lulls us into our respective dreams of Christmas. I trace the shapes of pine trees in the condensation on the window, clearing the glass one finger swipe at a time to see the town rushing past, roadside buildings eventually petering out to make way for villages, then woodland. As we get closer to Ashurst, we're on the lookout for the hand-painted sign, Christmas trees this way, above a giant arrow pointing to the woods. There it is, there it is. The trees come in all shapes and sizes. I like the fat ones with lots of room for decorations. Dad suggests getting one a couple of feet taller than our ceiling, so when we cut off the single spindly branch at the top, we'll be left with a fine, plump specimen. Once the tree has been secured on top of the car, we head back. In the past, we've stopped off at a forest pub for a bowl of soup and some chips by the fire, but today we're hurrying home, eager to get the tree indoors so Christmas can begin. I think it's partly to recapture this memory that I love taking my own children to a local farm to get our tree and to feed their reindeer. If you were to think of something that you could do this year to reconnect with the treasured memory of years gone by, what might that be, I wonder? I'd love to know. You can come tell me over on Instagram at Beth Kempton, if you like. And now it's time for our nature corner. Normally, when I do a full series of the Calm Christmas podcast, I love to track winter as it unfolds around us. But of course, this year, we're just having this one episode. Although I do dive into some seasonal writing in the Fearless Writer podcast. So do have a listen to that. Anyway, I thought today we could focus on the season as a whole. And if you're interested in checking in week by week, of course, as I've said, you can go back and listen to the weekly Calm Christmas episodes that I've shared for the past two winters. Here are some words written nearly a century ago by Edward Stepp in Nature Rambles, an introduction to country law, written in 1930. You can find this in the lovely book Winter, an anthology for the changing seasons, which was edited by Melissa Harrison, 
and published by Elliot and Thompson. There is one aspect of the gradual close of autumn and the onset of winter of which the rambler should not lose sight. The feeling that is pretty general among people of the average sort is that the country at this season is a place to be avoided. Empty, dull, without any interest. All the pretty things like flowers and butterflies have disappeared. The birds are silent, the trees are bare poles and the woods are damp and gloomy. This is the accepted notion. But whenever you have the chance for a ramble on a fine day, go forth and prove to yourself how absurd it all is. Some of the details of the whale are true, of course, but the general charge is false. We must not expect to find snowdrops in October or blackberries in spring. Everything has its season for display, and we cannot learn the story of the year if we read only eight or nine of its twelve chapters. I love that idea of the story of the year, how it has unfolded in nature and in our own lives. If you were to map out your year in terms of the changes that happened around you and inside of you, what might that story look like? Perhaps that's one to ponder with a hot cuppa while the rain pours down the steamed up window of your favourite cosy cafe. Or maybe when on a long ramble, as Edward Stepp would no doubt have advised. Talking about being outdoors, how do you feel about spending time outside at this time of year, I wonder? Personally, I love gathering greenery to make a wreath for the door, filling a flask and heading out for a long wintry walk, things like that. Have you ever tried a really mindful winter walk with nothing in your ears? No phone talking to people, no music to listen to, not even listen to a podcast like this. No, with absolutely nothing in your ears except the sound of nature. It's very different from a walk at any other time of the year. Next time you head out, why not try it? As you walk, notice the feel of the ground under your feet, the taste of the air, the wind in the trees, the light and the shadows. Look up, look down, look all around, touch things. Notice how different bark, branches and leaves feel. Notice where things are in their life cycle. What's emerging? What's growing? What's fading? Breathe deeply. Breathe it all in. Ah. I really loved Claire Foster's observation of her dying garden in the stunning book Winter Gardens, photographed by Andrew Montgomery. She said, I carried out an experiment in my garden last autumn, leaving everything in the border to die back at its own pace and fighting the urge to tidy anything up, even on the point of collapse. It was an exercise in close observation and there was one plant in particular that held my attention over many weeks and months. The round seed pods of the honesty Lunaria annua, Corfu blue, form in early summer, fading to bruised purple and then turning golden in late summer. By late autumn they had bleached to a silvery white, their tactile seeds dropping around the base of the plant as the papery thin pods gradually began to disintegrate. On wet days, the pods grew darker again, a burnished coppery gold. As the weeks went on, more tracing paper layers were shed, leaving just the outline of the seed pods, like pairs of tiny spectacles. On misty or frosty days, these transparent forms shone and sparkled, transformed into works of art with the tracery of fine spider's webs 
and water droplets like diamonds. The day-to-day viewing of my honesty plants became a ritual, and I took photograph after photograph to enjoy and appreciate their decaying beauty. I love this idea of checking in on a plant daily throughout late autumn and through the winter to see how it changes and takes on different forms of beauty, even in its decaying. I wonder if you might be tempted to try it too. Having said all that about the outdoors, I'm also not ashamed to admit that on an extra wet and cold day, I've been known to opt for thinking about the outdoors while curled up in a cosy armchair with my seed catalogue, deciding what to plant next year. Either way, the feel of the season has such an impact on our impressions and memory of it. For me and my brothers as children, winter was getting dressed between the storage heater and the ring of drying clothes, trying not to burn our behinds as we balanced on one leg to pull on our school socks. It was advent candles at Sunday school, afternoon baths and indoor picnic teas. It was baking, making, carol singing, hot soup, casseroles and bedtime stories – Pressing noses against the window of the big toy shop in town, dreaming of what Santa might bring. It was gloopy porridge on Monday mornings. Reluctant car engines, warm water poured over the windscreen and the laborious scraping of ice. A garden left to its own devices, the treehouse ivy-covered and lonely. Wellies for splashing through puddles and see-through umbrellas. Hot water bottles and extra blankets and not being allowed outside with wet hair. Grandma polishing the brasses and baking deep cross pies. Mum filling the cupboards and knowing that we'll be fine if we're snowed in, which sadly never happened. The humdrum of daily life, drumming like the rain on the roof through the winters of my childhood. When we surrender to the flow of winter, a powerful wave carries us far from the rush of everyday life and inwards. This is a time to reconnect with our essence, our humanity, our creativity and our place in nature. Winter calls us back to that still place at the centre of our whirling lives. Much of what has come to represent Christmas in the 21st century, bright lights, crowded shopping malls, aggressive online sales, rowdy office parties, long to-do lists and a heavy burden of social obligations, is characterised by frenetic energy and noise levels that run counter to our natural tendency to hibernate, retreat into ourselves and rest, at this time of the year. Our industrial advances have pushed us far out of alignment with our natural rhythms. We extend the day with electric lighting that is exponentially brighter than the candlelight that eased our forefathers into a midwinter evening, or the weak sunlight that gently nudged them awake. As we addictively check phones and work on laptops late into the night, we set our brains racing at the very moment when we should be settling down to sleep. If we never switch off our devices, it's hard to switch off our minds for long enough to inhabit the here and now, or to fall into a deep, restful sleep. The choices we make in the first few weeks of December can affect the way we experience the whole season and how we emerge into the new year. So let's talk a bit about ways we can take care of ourselves this winter. And in a usual season, I would give well-being tips every week Um, but as this is just a one-off episode my overall well-being tip for the winter is simply to include yourself in the list of people who need care and attention. Think back to last winter. In what ways did you take real care of yourself? Can you do those things again? 
Or if you didn't consider yourself last year, can you pay your well-being more attention this year? Imagine the difference to how it might make you feel come January if you were to usher yourself through December with care, allowing plenty of time for rest, reflection and delight. I'm saying this as someone who knows that this is absolutely what I need to do this winter and I hope you will do it for yourself too. There are lots of simple but effective things that we can do. Things like keeping up our regular routines, you know, going to a weekly yoga class or perhaps starting couch to 5k before Christmas rather than when we're feeling sluggish already in the new year. Or simple things like writing a journal in the morning or sipping chamomile tea before bed, making sure you have a recovery day between social commitments, turning a normal lunch break into a winter picnic or breathing in the fresh air in the middle of the day during a busy day at work. Cooking up nourishing stews and soups, swapping your wardrobe so all your cosy sweaters and scarves are there when you want to go for a wintry walk. All of those things, tiny little things, easy things, can make a difference. As can staying in your own festive lane. Try to keep your attention on the good things unfolding in your festive season instead of being drawn too much into other people's social media feeds and the Christmas they want you to think that they're having. Who knows if it's even true? So now is a great time to mark your calendar with self-care ideas and explore ways to keep moving, to sleep better and to stay calm. There are so many apps out there to help us with this these days. I love Insight Timer, which is a fantastic app for meditation. And Yoga with Adrienne on YouTube is a great source of free yoga classes. The Calm app is fantastic There are so many things. Have a search around and see what works for you. I think sometimes it's just about taking a moment to think about it and plan things in. If you want some daily inspiration, come and follow me on Instagram at Beth Kempton. I'm going to be sharing my alternative advent calendar from December the 1st through until Christmas Eve, posting a simple well-being prompt each day. I also think that Deciding your present strategy in advance can actually be an act of self-care because it can stop you going overboard with spending so you avoid all that regret in January. It can help avoid the guilt of too much waste, which can be heavy to carry, and it can bring joy as you think carefully about what you want to offer to the people who matter most to you. When I'm trying to decide about presents, I first make a list of all the people I want to give gifts to and a list of all the people I feel obliged to give gifts to, and those aren't necessarily the same people on those two lists. Then for all those on the obligation list, I ask myself whether this year's gift could actually be to release us both from the social contract of gift giving. Because if I give one to them, they'll feel obliged to give one to me, just as if they give one to me, I feel obliged to give one to them. And it takes one of us to break that cycle. And then for everyone left, I ask myself what I could give them that is mindful, meaningful and memorable. By mindful, I mean mindful of their situation, their values and beliefs and the year that they've had. By meaningful, I mean something that has meaning to them because of the things that they love or dream of or because it's connected to our shared story in some way. And by memorable, I mean something that is special and surprises or delights in some way. And there's that word again, delight. Sometimes I think that delight comes as much from the wrapping as from the gift itself. So I'm booking in a quiet afternoon by myself to make a present plan this year. And then when it comes to wrapping, I'm going to be putting on those Christmas movies 
and covering the floor with all of my wrapping paraphernalia. How about you? So what are you going to commit to in terms of your own well-being this winter to come back to our topic? I'm going to be committing to getting some good sleep. I think I might actually try to turn my phone off for 12 hours out of 24 from 7pm to 7am for the whole of December. And let's see how that goes. Um, And also to eating nourishing food with extra vegetables cooked with love. Speaking of food, just thinking about seasonal food makes me want to make good things. According to Leah Leandertz's The Almanac 2022, uh, these are some of the things to be found in a seasonal kitchen at this particular moment in the year, here in the UK at least. She says, In the hedgerows, woods and fields, we find wild fruits and nuts like crab apples and sweet chestnuts. The roots are alexanders, dandelion, horseradish, Jerusalem artichokes, lovage, rampion, wild garlic. And then we have wild greens like chickweed, hairy bittercress, dandelion leaves, sow thistle and wintercress. Game includes hare, pheasant, rabbit and venison. From the seashore and rivers, fish and shellfish, we have mussels, oysters, turbots, black bream, herring. And then fruit includes quinces, which are particular to this time of year. And then so many vegetables, beetroot, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, carrots, cauliflowers, celeriac, celery, chard, chicory, garlic, kale, leeks, lettuces, onions, oriental leaves, spring onions, parsnips, potatoes, pumpkins, winter squashes, spinach, swedes and turnips. How about pairing them with some of the herbs? Chervil, parsley, coriander, sage, rosemary, bay. And from the farms we have things like stilton, goose and turkey, which feel like indulgent things at this time of year. So why not give yourself the challenge of making something new with some of those lovely seasonal ingredients or things in season wherever in the world you are? As you'll know from previous um, episodes, we have a recipe corner and today I'd like to share four recipes because this is, you know, a bonanza episode and to offer some nourishing goodness and some festive joy and also to introduce you to some wonderful cookbooks. Um, Christmas is a great time to ask for books um, and any of the books that I have been reading from in this episode make wonderful gifts for yourself or for other people. Well, I said four recipes. Actually, strictly speaking, it's three recipes and an assembly suggestion. But anyway, here we go. Uh, First up is a nourishing pumpkin soup recipe from one of my all-time favourite cookbooks, The Yogic Kitchen by Jodie Vassalou. And the ingredients, I'm going to read them through quite quickly, but you can find them in the show notes at um, go to bethkempton.com forward slash podcast um, and you'll find a link to get you to the show notes. Um, So the ingredients are one Kent or butternut pumpkin, two tablespoons of olive oil, one leek, white part only, thinly sliced, one onion chopped, one cinnamon stick, one bay leaf, quarter of a cup or 60 grams of split mung dal, four cups or a litre of vegetable or chicken stock, one tablespoon of nutritional yeast, half a teaspoon of freshly grated nutmeg, two tablespoons of black sesame seeds, toasted, and then one tablespoon of furikake, 
or you can use dried seaweed for that. Um, and if you don't know what furikake is, the spelling is F-U-R-I-K-A-K-E. And it's like sprinkles, savoury sprinkles that you might put on top of rice or soup. Yum. First, preheat the oven to 200 degrees C and then place your pumpkin on a baking tray and roast it for an hour. Then remove it from the oven, let it cool for 10 minutes or so, cut it in half, scoop out the seeds and remove the skin from the flesh. Heat the oil in a large saucepan, add the leek and onion and cook, stirring occasionally over a medium heat for 10 minutes until the onion and leek are soft. And then add the cinnamon, bay leaf, pumpkin, mung dal, stock, nutritional yeast and nutmeg and bring to the boil. Reduce the heat and simmer covered for 20 minutes. Then blend and top with your sesame seeds and your furikake or your seaweed. Um, and dive in. Yum. That's bound to warm you up on a cold day. And now I give you my homemade granola, which I whip up by the big batchful. Making this makes me feel like I'm doing something nourishing for my family. And besides having it for breakfast each day, my husband, Mr. K, can often be found in the pantry scoffing it by the handful as a tasty snack. So these are the ingredients and this makes a small batch, but I usually make triple this and keep it in an airtight container. Mr. K eats a lot and he eats this very fast. So you need 50 grams each of any kinds of nuts that you like, ideally at least four different types. I like using hazelnuts, blanched almonds, walnuts, Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts, cashews, pecans and pistachios. And, you know, the proportions don't matter that much. So if you have all of them or some of them, just put them all in. And then 50 grams each of sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds and then any other seeds you like. Sometimes I add sesame seeds or flax seeds as well. And then 50 grams each of dried fruit like sultanas or raisins. Sometimes I add goji berries. Um, In winter, I like to add cranberries for a bit of festive flavour. And dried apricots work brilliantly too. And then 200 grams of giant oats. Now, if you've got loads and loads of nuts and loads of seeds and loads of dried fruit, then you might want to increase the amount of oats that you add. So you've got probably, um, well, I'm not going to do the maths. Put a load of oats in. (laughs) And then a teaspoon of ground ginger, a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a tablespoon of desiccated coconut, if you like it. If you don't like desiccated coconut, you won't really taste it, but it's also fine to um, leave that out. Um, And then about five tablespoons of maple syrup. The more ingredients I've put in, the more maple syrup I put in. Okay, so I make this in our very old slow raven. Um, It takes about 35 minutes at Mark 9, stirred every 10 minutes or so, so that it bakes evenly. But if you're using a normal, um, more modern or conventional oven, Um, preheat it to 160 degrees C or gas mark 3 and then weigh out all the dry ingredients chopping any really big ones like walnuts or brazil nuts or dried apricots up small Um, put them in a big bowl or in a huge um, I often do it in like a big soup saucepan Um, add the spices and mix it all together and then add the maple syrup stir it again lay it out in the baking trays and in a normal oven that would take 20 to 25 minutes be sure to stir it halfway through. And then when it's done, just leave it on the baking tray to cool before putting it into airtight containers. Yum. It's great for breakfast as granola. It's great for a snack. And it's really good with vanilla ice cream. 
So that is would make a lovely gift for someone as well if you um, popped it in a sterile, sterilised jar and um, maybe put a pretty festive ribbon around it. Lovely. And so thirdly, I'd like to talk about mince pies. And this isn't really a recipe. It's more of a construction technique. Uh, mince pies aren't exactly healthy, um, but as far as I'm concerned, they are nourishing because they bring me so much joy that I think they must be good for us. You know, every Christmas, my grandma would make mince pies. And to me, they're one of the central symbols of this time of year. If you don't know what a mince pie is, it's a sweet fruit pie, which has traditionally been eaten at Christmas here in England and in other places too for hundreds of years. But it hasn't always been a sweet fruit pie. They originally had real mincemeat in them, um, as in mince, um, you know, meat. But over the years, they've come to be a sweet pie that has what's called mincemeat in it, um, which is a like a jam made with candied fruit um, and all sorts of goodness like that. And the actual mince pies themselves are eaten sometimes with brandy butter, sometimes with cream, sometimes a hot pie with cold vanilla ice cream. That's one of my favourites. Um, or on their own with a glass of mulled wine. My grandma always made the pastry for her mince pies by hand, but these days I have no shame in buying ready-made shortcuts short crust pastry um, if it gives me more time to enjoy with the family and the same goes for the mincemeat to be honest when I lived alone in my 20s I had a thing about making homemade mincemeat and offering it in pretty jars as gifts but I haven't done that for a long time this this point in my life I give myself permission to use a delicious locally made one instead and if you want to make your own mincemeat this year, it's a lovely thing to do. Um, I've shared a link in the show notes for a good recipe from Chef James Martin um, and a mince pie recipe as well from Paul Hollywood. Both of those are from BBC Good Food. But what I love about mince pies is how lovely it can be to make everything from scratch if you have the time and also how simple it can be if you just buy in the pastry, buy in the mincemeat, get out your cookie cutters warm the kitchen with the oven, put some festive music on and then roll, cut, spoon, add lids, drink tea as they're cooking and then sprinkle with icing sugar once they're done. Funnily enough, we actually did a mince pie off a few years ago taste testing everything from homemade to fancy shop-bought mince pies and the winner was actually Mr Kipling's, you know, the ones in the red box if you're familiar with them. They are the standard of many a mince pie and mulled wine evening um, here where I live if they're not if you're not doing homemade ones a lot of people around here make homemade ones too but anyway who says you can't put those in the oven sprinkle on a bit of icing sugar and serve them up with a relaxed smile do what makes you happy I say and lastly I'd like to share a lovely mulled cider recipe from my friend Mark Diacono's wonderful cookbook Spice I tried this using apple juice instead of cider and I didn't have a couple of spices, um, but it still worked to treat, so you can go non-alcoholic if you prefer. So, to make 1.2 litres or 2.5 pints, you will need 1.5 litres or 3 pints of dry cider or apple juice for the non-alcoholic version, uh, 2 cloves, 3 whole star anise, um, 6 allspice berries, 6 Ethiopian passion berries, 6 cinnamon berries, six verbena berries, five green cardamom pods and one or two tablespoons of honey. And to make it, you just add the cider or the apple juice to a pan, 
along with all the ingredients apart from the honey. Bring up the heat slowly and simmer for about five minutes. Turn off the heat and allow it to infuse for five minutes with the lid on. Taste and stir in a little honey if you think it needs it and then serve immediately and have a lovely evening. Easy peasy. I'm actually giving away a copy of Spice, it's a stunner, um, along with a personalised signed copy of my book, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year, on my Instagram, at Beth Kempton, right now. The deadline for entries is Friday the 2nd of December, so come on over and join in the fun. Okay, good luck. And of course, while you're cooking, you might like to listen to some wintry music or make a festive playlist. My favourites at this time of the year are actually quite different from my musical taste the rest of the year. Um, but I think it's probably because each song on my list has a particular personal significance to me. The songs I love include Winter Song and The River by Sarah McLachan, uh, Christmas Lights by Coldplay, Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Rear, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by Michael Bublé, and Carols from King's College, Cambridge, particularly Once in Royal David City. The solo at the beginning gets me every single time. I'd love to know your favourites. Come and tell me over on Instagram at Beth Kempton. And so I know lots of you have loved the get ahead tips and simple crafty ideas from previous episodes. So here's a bunch for you. Uh, Probably not all for this week, but maybe um, make some notes um, and have a go with any that feel like um, they would be good for you this year. So first up, if you want to make your own Christmas crackers this year, now is a good time to order your cracker snaps because they often sell out. Here in the UK in particular, it's probably also a good idea to get your Christmas cards written earlier than ever to make sure that they make the last post in amongst any postal strikes. And why not choose one crafty thing to do to contribute to your decorations this year and then put aside some time to do it? I always find this is a joy if I've set aside time early enough in the season. Um, As soon as it gets closer and closer to Christmas, it becomes a pressure. And also it seems a waste when you make it and then you hang it up for two days and have to take it down. So Um, this year I've gathered some giant paper mache stars and some deco patch paper and glue and I'm planning an after-school decorating session with my children. The stars are really beautiful Um, And I've picked some subtle paper colours. I also have some quite loud ones. Um, I wonder which ones will end up (laughs) getting used. If you're listening to this in late November, there is still time to make your own advent calendar, which can be super fun. Um, Some years I wrap tiny gifts up in little bags and number each one. Sometimes my children write numbers on gold coins with a Sharpie and we string them up on branches. Why not have a think and see what you could come up with this year? Another idea that I'm going to try this year, which I found in the gorgeous book Advent by Kirsten Niehoff and Laura Fleiter, is to make a set of Advent candles. You simply find yourself a set of tall candles and pop them in used glass bottles to make Advent candles for your sideboard or dining table to mindfully count down the weeks. And you can decorate them however you want. You could pop some greenery inside the bottles or tie a ribbon around them or maybe add a label with the countdown number on to make them look lovely. And then now's a good time to have a think about how you might wrap gifts this year. Is there a way that you could make it special or personal? Could you use a map with some personal significance perhaps? Or stamped craft paper or family photos as gift tags? 
Or maybe try wrapping in fabric or in recyclable festive paper with sprigs of greenery tucked beneath the ribbon. This can take quite a while, so why not put aside a Sunday afternoon to gather all your wrapping materials and make whatever you need so that you're ready when it's time to wrap. One thing I know I'm going to be doing this week is a really lovely thing to do, um, and that's going to the beach or to a nearby wood um, and go foraging or beachcombing to stock up on some natural treasures for making decorations and adding to those wrapped presents. You know, things like feathers, seed heads, sea glass, leaf skeletons, dried seaweed perhaps, or even driftwood. And you can turn those into gift tags or into present ideas if you do something creative with them. I'm sure you'll have all sorts of ideas of your own inspired by what's around you where you live. And then another thing that you might want to do at this point if you're a visual person is to start a Pinterest board or a folder of inspiration for decorations, wrapping, recipes and so on. It can be really lovely to see all your ideas in one place. And maybe you want to add in some less tangible things, you know, images that represent the atmosphere you want to create or the values you want to keep close or maybe some quotes to inspire you through this particular winter. And of course, it's always a good time to cook up some batches of stew, chilli or soup that you can freeze ahead so that you always have something tasty and nutritious waiting for you on a cold day. And now it's time for some reflection on the year gone past before we start thinking about what might lie beyond Christmas. Now, I usually do this at the end of the series, but as this is a one-off episode, um, I'm going to ch- share some journaling questions now. Of course, you can do these today if you like, or you could make a note of them to ponder later in the month. I particularly like doing this in the time between Christmas and New Year, a time that I call the hush. It's a precious time to breathe deeply, savour moments with loved ones or alone, and feel the world slowing just for a moment. It's a time for reflection and releasing, meandering and dreaming. So here are the questions. There are six of them. If you like, perhaps listen to a question, then pause the podcast and write whatever you want to write or make a list of these questions and make a note in your diary to come back and answer them in a quiet moment. How would you sum up this past year in three words? How did you grow during the last 12 months? What particular synchronicities did you notice this year and what do you think they're telling you? Where did you bring light to the darkness for someone this year? And what unexpected blessings did the year bring to you? And then finally, what would you like to release or leave behind as you move towards the new year? If you want to go deeper with this reflection, be sure to help yourself to my free annual reflection and planning tool, my Perfectly Imperfect 2023 Planner, which you can download at dowhatyoulovefourlife.com and fill in with a cosy cuppa in that quiet moment. And if you want guidance for in-depth planning for the year ahead and for bringing a particular dream to life, it's all there in that final third of my book, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year. If you've got yourself a copy already, go to the last three chapters of the book and find a whole section on manifestation. So as we come to the end of this special episode, I'd like to share a few ways that you can dive deeper into the season over the coming weeks. Firstly, I'd like to invite you to join me for the free 10-day writing course that I'm running between Christmas and New Year. It's called The Winter Writing Sanctuary, 
and it's a really beautiful place to come and spend half an hour to an hour each day from December the 28th until January the 6th, snuggled up in a cosy world of words. It's for all levels, everyone is welcome, and because of the ongoing cost of living crisis, I've decided to make it free again this year. You can sign up at dowhatyoulovefullife.com. I hope to see you there. And then, as I've said, listen to the audiobook of Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year. That will take you through the whole season. Tune in to the Fearless Writer podcast with weekly episodes through to the end of the year, offering seasonal writing inspiration and a writing exercise to do each week. Remember, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or my website at bethkempton.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to dive deeper into writing, be sure to get yourself a copy of my new book, The Way of the Fearless Writer, which is out now. And if you want to join me to explore how to do what you love, get organised, write a book proposal, create an online course or excavate your life through words, don't miss our annual gratitude sale, which is on now at dowhatyoulovefullife.com. We're offering up to 50% off all of my courses. We only do this once a year. So take yourself over to dowhatyoulovefullife.com and see what you might like to invest in, in terms of doing more of what you love in the year to come. And so to wrap up this special episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining me here today and invite you to enjoy one of my favourite poems, Desiderata, written 95 years ago by Max Ehrman. It has become something of a tradition that I share this on my Instagram on New Year's Day, but I actually think it could have been written as advice for approaching Christmas, both the gatherings and the whole season itself. Go placidly amid the noise and haste, And remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even to the dull and ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere... Life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially, do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labours and aspirations... In the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. 
Strive to be happy. Desiderata by Max Ehrman Thank you for joining me for this special edition of the Calm Christmas podcast. May you go gently into the approaching winter, taking good care of yourself and the ones you love, creating a cosy nest and finding your own ways to celebrate this special time of year. I hope you have exactly the kind of holiday season you want and need. I'll be thinking of you. Take care, my friend. You've been listening to the Calm Christmas podcast with me, Beth Kempton. If you've enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe so you hear when the new series pops up again next year. For more inspiration and access to a very special Christmas care package, cosy up with a copy of my book, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year, a little book of festive joy. And for a peek into my own perfectly imperfect Christmas preparations, come and find me on Instagram at Beth Kempton. I'd love to hear from you there. Wishing you a gentle countdown towards a calm Christmas and a happy new year.